0: hello everybody this is the board youtube channel and this is our thursday afternoon show with myself jacob my co-host kirk evans for weekly nba takeaways we we'll be going through some of the biggest stories around the league that took place over the last week or perhaps the last day or so with pascal siakam getting traded to the indiana pacers and we'll also finish off with some betting talk with kirk evans the resident expert sports brand that we have on the panel for today. Reminder, everybody, if you're watching, if you find yourself enjoying the content along the way, make sure you do hit that like button does support the channel and it does help this end on some more YouTube recommended pages, but also please make sure you're subscribed to keep up to date with all the content. We do go live here Thursday afternoons, but every single morning, every single weekday morning, that is myself and pips go live for more NBA free picks. Kirk Evans, how are you doing on this day? Raptors coming off the big win and the trade of Pascal, which we'll be discussing but uh, in general, the week of NBA action, how was it for you?
1: Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, busy, a lot of games. Always interesting to start with, like MLK Day, where there's games all day. Honestly, don't love those days. I find it really hard to to get stuff done while games are also on. But it's been a good week. Busy week of a lot of NBA. Yeah,
0: and we have the Raptors stuff to talk about. We're we'll also be talking about the Jazz a little bit later on. We kind of talked about them last week, but now they have been way too good to ignore. But we'll ignore them for. 10 or so minutes longer here because the big news of the day is the Pascal Siakam trade. Yesterday, it was revealed he was traded to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers also got a second-round pick from the New Orleans Pelicans in the deal, but the Raptors, as part of this trade, will receive three first-round picks, Jordan Wara, Kira Lewis, and Bruce Brown. Now, three first-round picks always sounds flashy when you actually look at the picks involved. It's two first-round picks from Indiana. They're 2024 and 2026. And the third pick is a 2024 pick, which is the worst of the Rockets, the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Thunder. So likely very late in the first round. But despite all this, uh, what were your first reactions to this trade as a, a, Toronto, a, a Toronto resident like myself?
1: Yeah, my first reaction was, I guess it makes sense that, that Toronto is doing this trade. Like we needed to deal uh Pascal at some point in the next three weeks. So... It made sense to me, but I'm I'm kind of just I think I've I've said this pretty publicly. I'm pretty underwhelmed both ways by this trade. I I just it makes sense for why Toronto does it did it. I can see why Indiana did it, but I just don't really love it for either side.
0: Yeah, I well from the rap. Let's let's take a look first of all. Let's start with the Raptors side of things. Then we'll go a little bit more in depth on the Pacers side of things. From the Raptors side of things. Looking at this trade in a vacuum, Siakam on the expiring contract. It's decent in the end. Three first-round picks. I mean, yes, they're not great, but it is three good assets. Bruce Brown doesn't look like right now that they could flip him, but there is an opportunity perhaps to send him somewhere else, add on some additional draft assets. The contract might be a bit difficult to make that happen, but regardless, he'll help the team for the rest of the season. But when you uh, expand your horizons on this whole situation, well, the Raptors, if they were intent on trading Siakam and the intent seemed to have been there in the summer, the way the team president Messiah year was speaking about Siakam publicly to in, in press conferences. And obviously the it, the team has very much given Scotty Barnes a much bigger handle on things this season. It seems like this has been a, a bit of a plan for a while, yet they waited all this time. And had they acted sooner, I mean, if they acted sooner, do you imagine the Raptors get a much better deal than this one?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think that's kind of the the main gripe I have that, you know, everyone kind of like, oh, wow, the Raptors got three or three firsts for Siakam, but or or three firsts for Siakam on an expiring. But the reason we're trading him on an expiring is because we waited too long for it. But yeah, I think let's first talk about the actual picks because three first round picks is just such a meaningless (laughs) yeah like it's like i think people have a really hard time with it because it's not the case in other sports to evaluate picks by actually kind of what that the the pick is coming in like there are first round picks that are essentially not valueless but have hold very little value like the pick we got that's going to be the worst of okc or the clippers picks like no one evaluates the og trade as Quickly, RJ and a first. Even though that pick is going to be the pick we got from Detroit, is going to be within four picks of the pick we got from Indiana. This in this trade, with a better actual salary structure because you have more control over second rounders. That pick is probably that second round pick is probably more valuable than the first round pick we got in this trade, and the entire framing of the trade would be completely different if it was Detroit's second round pick we got in this trade. Like, if you just swap those picks, it would be, oh, Pascal, we got Pascal for two firsts. We only got two first ones this year. It's just picks in the NBA are the, the difference in value can be like one first round pick can be worth five first round picks, depending on how far out it is and what the protections are. So the three first round picks feels much more like a media blast to me than what actually happened. These two picks are like hold very little value it's going to be the 27th pick and something like the 18th to 21st pick those picks are fine but they just aren't really anything they, they're the lowest upside picks you could pro, you can really acquire and then the 2026 pick pascal's gonna be still on the team Halliburton still signed through 2026 it's just also gonna be best case scenario you have a disaster season from indiana and it's a late lottery pick. So, like, I think there was a trade a few years ago, the Duran-Mark Williams swap. Like, picks that are in, like, the 15 to 18 range, they don't really hold much value in the NBA. The real appeal of trading for first-round picks is possibly, you know, getting in that top 10, that top five range. Not saying that, like, the 18th pick won't ever turn into something, but three first-round picks, like... the kevin durant trade last year obviously pascal's not kevin durant but the any of the picks that phoenix gave out might be as valuable as the three first round picks toronto got because phoenix got totally unprotected or sorry gave up totally unprotected 2029 first 2027 first when those teams could be really bad but there's just no upside in this trade so given the constraints I'm not going to say that the Raptors did terribly because it yeah. just, they had to trade them. And obviously, they took the best package. Like, Keegan Murray wasn't just on the table, and the Raptors decided to go with this. But that being said, the reason those constraints were on the Raptors was entirely the Raptors doing. So, yeah. the trade from a, a small scope, where it's like, okay, we had to trade Pascal, it's fine. I would have preferred we waited, you know a couple weeks tried making this a bit bit better of a package for the Raptors because I think Indiana really wanted this. I think they really wanted Pascal this season and there's still three weeks to the deadline. So I don't really see what the rush was for Toronto, but I guess you didn't want to play like a pretty dangerous game of chicken, but I get it. But just the Raptors front office, I think has been horrible for the last two years and this is kind of the the culmination of it all.
0: Yeah, on the front office. So besides Yuri, uh, he's either still ongoing at the time that we're live right now in his press conference or is just wrapping up his press conference where uh, at least he did admit to some of the shortcomings of the front office in the last two years. But now it's really like, okay, now you have a blank canvas. You made the trade. You have a full understanding what the direction is of the team. It's development centric. It's building around Scotty Barnes. There's no more excuses now. They've done a poor job handling assets in the last couple, like two, three years, pretty much post championship. They talked about like how much they believed in the, in the previous core. Then they waited too long to actually supplement that core by the time they actually did supplement that core with an actual big. The writing was already on the wall that that team wasn't never going to go anywhere. So you know they made some mistakes, but uh, now it's time to to put up. Now it's time to showcase that you can still do your job effectively. You have the situation in place to do it, albeit without the best picks. Uh, one other thing, Masai hinted at in that press conference day is he said, I don't know if this is the d- d- direct term he used, but he says he seriously doubts they will use three picks in this draft. So. Maybe this can turn out a little bit better. Hey, if they can use a couple of those to move up in the draft, it could look maybe much better
1: in the the first round or three. Because we're we're probably going to give up our pick anyway.
0: Oh, actually, I I would assume it means he doesn't think we're going to use the three picks the the Detroit second, the Indiana, gotcha, gotcha. not not like the Raptors using their own pick, which by the way, despite beating the the uh, the. Miami heat by 24 yesterday. I don't think it's out of the realms of possibilities. They are using their own pick this season. It's possible. Um, it's possible. It's possible. possible. And if they move Bruce Brown, perhaps they can even snag another one in this one. So the size, look, there's some, there's some bad draft picks in the past. Um, maybe the most recent one, the jury's still out on that one, but uh, you're giving Dan Tolsman, the, uh, I believe this just rolls the assistant GM, but he's heavily involved in the scouting with the Raptors. You're giving this front office who has had, good success in the draft. A lot of chances. Um now the overused term right now is that it's a weak draft class. Uh I know you don't like that. You know, I don't like that term. There's always talent available uh and you're giving this 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 front office a lot of opportunities at the very least. But again, not a great trade package. I think the most disappointing part of the trade package is that no players of interest came back in the deal. Bruce Brown is either flipped or leaving at the end of the season. Jordan Nawara, probably barely NBA level, respectfully. Kira Lewis, maybe unrespectfully, is not NBA level. Can't even swing like Ben Marathon Jarrus Walker aside, you can't even swing Jalen Smith in the deal. I, I think that's a bit disappointing as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I just feel like even though I'm actually really low on Jarrus Walker, just felt like that that kind of had to be the package of, of for me to look at this trade and be like, okay, this whole Pascal Siakam fiasco ended up fine. Like you look at the OG package and you're like, okay, they held on to OG, but they they ended up being fine. But in in this scenario, it really came back to bite them, similar to Fred, similar to Kyle. So, you know, I've been pretty outspoken of how bad I think the Raptors front office has been. And I, I definitely, this doesn't, you know, Right, what I think have been these wrongs and just to get into the Raptors future like Scotty's really good and a pretty foundational piece but still if you look around the league and say if you just if someone came up to you and said I'm trying to pick an NBA team to be a fan of just based on the roster and the future (laughs) as, as I'm a fan and I'm someone who operates in judges front offices as how do you maximize championship equity over the next five to 10 years? The Raptors are still remain easily bottom five. To me, the path to actually being what, unless we hit on a miracle first round pick, that's not going to be very high. The path to this team contending in any serious manner is, I I just do not see it Uh, in like, Maybe Scotty becomes like a top five overall player, but I don't really think that's a reasonable path. We don't really have any path to, to very high picks because our team's just still too good. We're still committed to like hey, quickly I'm in not Burns. saying very
0: high. Bottom five might be a touch
1: harsh, but although, I mean, no, but, but to, I'm top just saying 20, bottom five, not of, either. Bottom five, in terms of, you know, like if you're a fan of Charlotte, I guess Charlotte's a they're probably bottom five as well, but like at least you maybe get into a first overall pick and that yeah. can really change the trajectory of a team. It's just really hard to see a massive trajectory changing move for this Raptors that the Raptors are going to be a championship team in the next, you know, if I had to pick the least likely teams to be a championship team in the next eight years, the Raptors would be very high on that list.
0: All right. I mean, maybe I just don't want to admit it. Maybe that's, that's fair <laughs> enough because of, uh, uh, the spot they're in but at least like I said there's a core in place that the front office can work with this front office has built a championship team from pretty much like you know there were some pieces there but pretty close to the ground up they built a championship out of this team so uh, yeah now it's time to show off that you're still good at your job and to do it all right let's look at the other side of this trade now uh, I do have a poll in the chat if you're watching right now vote on the poll in the chat which team you think is the winner of the trade I think it's pretty difficult to come up with a winner, but even though I don't love the return for the Raptors, I don't know if I can outright go and say that this is a winning trade for the Pacers. You already hinted at you don't really love the trade for the Pacers, but how come? Alex, uh, how about you elaborate as to why that is the case?
1: Yeah, so I just I don't really think in the NBA, unlike I think again, unlike other leagues, I don't think. Trades are zero-sum. I think you can pretty easily dislike a trade for both sides. I think that's true in other leagues, but mostly more true in the NBA. Um, so I think Pascal's a pretty good player. You know, he's probably a top 35, 40 player in the league. Oh, I. that's a bit
0: short, I think. I think comfortably top, top 30. Uh,
1: you could go through, it gets tough. But okay, sure. Let's say top 35. Okay. I don't... Re- again, it's... My thought process for how I think teams should run. There's one goal in the NBA. It's to win a championship. Obviously, if you have a great team who goes on lots of deep runs and happens to not win a championship, you can still look at that as a success. But in the NBA, you are optimizing your next five to 10 years championship equity. That's, to me, what you should be doing. The team that comes in fourth doesn't you know, have a celebration that they came in fourth. They walk off sad like every other team. You want to try winning championships in the NBA and trading for 29-year-old Pascal Siakam, who you're going to sign to a massive contract, who's probably at the wrong side of an age curve, going to start slowly getting worse. He's still a great player. And pairing him with Halliburton and, and Turner, it's just, yeah, it raises your floor. They're going to be a playoff team now. For the next few years for sure. Maybe they could get a home playoff series. In the next few years. Like come third, fourth. The league's pretty open. But again. Even in a league where. I think parity is much higher. Than it has been. And you actually. The bar to being a championship team is much lower. I just didn't really see this as a ceiling raising move for them. I think they could have kept their powder dry. Looked for a player. Even, you know, they could have... No one really was going after Siakam. They could have looked at him in free agency. It just felt like a really unnecessary move for Indiana, who was in a pretty good place without Pascal. But now now you're tied to Pascal. You have him on a massive contract. And it's hard to add in another star who's actually going to really get you past the line. I guess they're hoping maybe Matherin or... um, Walker. Or... uh, Walker hit but it's just again I like moves that really are gonna not make you a fifth or sixth seed but give you a path to be you know a two or three seed or a one seed and have a chance at winning a championship and I just don't really see that
0: uh I I don't want to go that much against as much as you against the Pacers for this deal because it's very hard to acquire like Siakam is a was a, is an all-star like until the next team he was a he was in the most recent nba all-star team he won't be this year but he made an all-star team last year two years ago he made all nba he's he's a very talented player these types of players are very hard to come by and they're even harder to come by when you're in a market like indiana with all due respect it's a basketball crazy uh area for sure they don't come into contact with players of this caliber very often and what's crazy is that they've acquired him and he's not even the best player on their team Tyrese Halliburton is still the number one guy so I think your one-two punch here is excellent Tyrese Halliburton is only getting better Uh, I I don't want to go I don't want to go as far as say like this could be a a future MVP caliber player but the way he's trending I don't think it's ridiculous to say that one day you know is there uh, is there a year where he's in the conversation or is he in that conversation yearly looking like perennial all-star type of player now you're pairing him with some excellent scoring uh you have like siakam i don't know if this is is true but i saw a report that siakam is over the moon with his fit next to miles turner i saw that apparently siakam's number one teammate dream teammate, is kevin
1: durant number two (laughs) dream teammate is miles turner i hope that's true because that is Makes me, I love Siakam already. Like, maybe not so much as a player, but just like always being a really awesome, like, member of the Raptors and wanting to stay here. (laughs) That makes me like him way more because it's such a like niche. Like, I want to play next to a floor spacing center. Like, he wants space. You're, and now he has space to attack
0: the rim. I don't think it's crazy to say Siakam's level, even like, you know, I think that his game is very athletic based. He's, he's, uh, I don't know if he's, he's either 30 or just about to turn 30. So you you have to expect some sort of decline. But I don't think it's crazy to say that he could have his best season with this team locked into a role, locked into a place that really believes in him. And with all the floor spacing this team has, he could hit a different level, maybe for one or two years. I agree with you. Is this like really a championship winning move? Maybe not. But I don't really know what else would have been for this team. So
1: yeah, I they think they have young fair.
0: pieces. They have young pieces that could amount to something. They have a team that they can supplement with, you know, the right sort of fits beside them, because I think they have the top tier talent to be a contender. Now it's just filling in the cracks of this team. And I don't really know, like what else, like, I'll, I'll put you a bit on the spot, like, like, what would have been probably that that championship maximizing move other than this?
1: Yeah, I think that's my point that, they just didn't need to do anything. They're kind of a, ahead of schedule. Okay. They're doing good. Halliburton ha- is better than people expected. They're better than people expected. So I think, I I just think they could have waited, you know, just wait till next trade deadline. Sure. Maybe there won't be a player as good as Siakam, but there could be someone better. Like I don't in the league, Siakam level players get traded a reasonable amount, not always, but th- we see a lot of trades and then yeah, it's not like, This is a league uh, direct of drama. There are players unhappy all the time. And back to your point on, you know, it's Indiana. I obviously objectively, it's harder for an Indiana Pacers to win a championship than a New York Knicks, even though the Knicks literally never won a championship (laughs) because stars don't come. But I think looking at yourself as, oh, we're Indiana, no one ever comes to us just really like lowers your chances. Like it's kind of yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like OKC doesn't look at themselves as, oh, we're Oklahoma. Like we can't win a championship. Being the fifth seed is good. They say, no, screw it. We're going to try winning a championship. And they've built now two championship level of rosters in their 15 years of existence. So I'm much more of a Sam Presti guy. of Go for tail outcomes. Try building through the draft. and. I will say, I, I, I don't know if I'm as high as you on Halliburton. I would be pretty surprised if he became a championship level player or, or an MVP level player. I do. I just have some question marks as to, obviously he's very, very good and one of the better offensive players in the league, but how much of it is him versus the system is at least slightly a question, especially considering... Last year, they did really struggle when he was out. They've been pretty good with him out this year. It just is a bit of a, you know, he puts up pretty incredible offensive numbers, but they do put him in, like, one of the better offensive systems in the league that plays at the highest pace, the most transition. They give up the most defense for offensive out of any team in the league. I have questions of, you know, what is it going to look like in the playoffs? He's a guy who I have circled as definitely could be a worse more of an 82 game player than a 16 game player. I'm not trying to say this as like, I'm out on Haliburton or don't think he's good, but I just, it may be slight. I think I was a little higher on him than consensus, than consensus coming into the year. But I think the hype maybe has, has come a little farther okay. than, than I actually think how good he is.
0: Okay. Uh, understood on that side. I, I I'm learning year by year that people teams care about bird rights more than you think. So like siakam has even said that the report is that if siakam went somewhere else in this trade he may have still ended up in indiana in the summer so bird rights are a factor perhaps maybe like they're overvalued we get a little bit i think the raptors certainly overvalued bird rights one year ago when they traded for purdell
1: but uh the purdell trade it, it's look it always this is an exciting trade for trade. indiana what was that it always comes back to the trade. Yes, it does. For Toronto.
0: <laughs> um, and and I actually addressed it today saying uh, they they really believed in that team and felt that they should have been given the opportunity. But yes, everybody knows that was a weird one. But for Indiana, I think this is exciting. I think that this team, if Milwaukee opens up a little, like how long is this? It's really hard to keep a championship window open for, for two or three years, let alone like six or seven, which they have going on. The Celtics, I don't know if this, this will ever cease or anything,
1: but well, the, the Celtics, run, always, into a, Celtics run into a cap crunch in a couple of years. So it, the East is pretty open. The East is pretty open. But again, it's like the Pacers kind of want to maximize for not this season, not next season, yeah, but probably the season after. And it's like, is Pascal Siakam at 31, 32? That guy? I'm, I'm just not sure.
0: That, I think this conversation... Uh, becomes a lot easier in maybe two and a half years when we see how Siakam's looking is has there been a decline but if Siakam maintains this level and even like even if he maintains this but I think he'll probably slightly improve a little bit next season but um if Siakam maintains this level I think they'll they'll be happy they made this trade looking back.
1: All yeah, right, realistically they didn't give up that much. Last point on this and and we'll get to this again later in the show. Another Raptors trade where we send guys out I'm like how much worse are we? I'm not sure we're going to be. That oh, much I worse. think
0: they're worse. I, th- Come I, on. I don't think we're going to be. that Well, much yesterday's worse. game doesn't uh, do that point any favors, but so I, I'll, I'll. I like point Bruce it like Brown the... a lot.
1: I like Bruce Brown a lot. I think he's good. Obviously, he's okay. a far worse player. Absolutely, than Actually, okay.
0: I, I don't think I've quite looked at this team through the lens that it has Bruce Brown on it yet. I've still just been operating as if like they're going to flip him. So, okay, That's if bad. I get in that mindset, I, they are worth like they are worse we're See, certainly they, worse objectively not i think yesterday's game i'm
1: not i'm not so sure i'm not so it, sure it, it, there's there's certain periods with this raptors
0: team and yesterday's game was a good example in that third quarter where when they can't hit a three anymore how are they going to score and siakam was a lot of time that get out of jail card now it's kind of rj barrett which is weird because like if they need a bucket just rj just gets to the rim and figures it out Um, so if that's the case, like if RJ is, this is kind of for real and, and, uh, they can get more out of quickly. I think with that trade having happened, are they that worse than a team that was 15 and 25 before this trade went down? Maybe not. And Bruce Brown, I've, I've been, I've loved Bruce Brown for like, like three years. I think I was, I was, I was early in the Bruce Brown fan club, but (laughs) the 22 and a half million dollars is strange, but Hey, if he's here, he will help this team for sure.
1: Yeah, obviously, we start selling off. We fall off pretty quick, and we kind of need Pirtle back. But, like, we've been holding our own with Joey Porter starting at center. Jonte Porter, yes.
0: Jonte Porter. Don't even know <laughs> his name. Well, you don't even know his name.
1: He, I'm lower on him than most Raptors fans, I'd say. But he's no, doing oh, a job. I think, I think he's terrible. I think okay. he, he he was barely an NBA player, and now he's starting for us. And we're still... We've been fine. I think we lost a bunch straight on before last night. Yeah. But all competitive, we're playing pretty well. Fair enough. Well,
0: this season I don't care about wins losses anymore really. I care about the vision. Is it working? Is is our guys getting better? But I think we've exhausted the Pacers Raptors topic enough here. Uh we need to talk about the Utah Jazz. Any comments? Any questions? please feel free to lay them in the chat any betting questions while well, i see one right now we'll get to after the fact but put them in the chat we'll get to betting after this but the utah jazz have won 9 of their last 10 they've won 6 in a row and the average margin of victory in those 6 six wins in a row is 17.7 now you might think well, okay where they playing bad teams well they played the pace sorry they played the sixers the bucks the nuggets the Raptors, so that's the worst one of the of the six. The Lakers and the Pacers. You can actually take sure the Lakers are the worst, but three of Whoa. the top four teams in the NBA, the Lakers, the Pacers, and the Raptors. Average margin of victory, 17.7. Oh my God, this team is, is all of a sudden really good. Colin Sexton is all of a sudden really good. Markinen is all NBA level again. Will Hardy is like... What is he, 38 and is already a really good coach? What have the Jazz, like how have the Jazz done this? How, how is this even possible?
1: It's pretty unbelievable. I don't want to put any caveats on the Jazz because I absolutely love the Jazz and it's been so fun. Just to be fair with the stats you read off, we did it was Philly, no Embiid, Pacers, no Halliburton, Milwaukee, no Lillard. It was full strength Denver and they absolutely floored them. And still Milwaukee, like they were still dogs in most of those games, even without, you know, like they were eight point dogs to uh, Milwaukee. They beat them by like 40. They were six point dogs to uh, the Sixers. They beat them by 40. So unbelievably impressive. Yeah. So I did a bit of a deep dive on Lori today. Just the most unique high level player in the NBA by a pretty substantial margin. He's 90th. In touches per game. So, literally, just how often he touches the ball. He's 160th in time of possession per game. And he's scoring like 25 points per game on some of the best efficiency in the league. He's a really underrated defender. He's huge. He's like a pretty legit 6'10, 6'11. So, he's like playing like 4.5 out there with John Collins. And they've been good defensively and sneaky. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the entire league, starting no traditional center. So it's been a pretty fascinating run for this team. Markkinen kind of does everything for them. And since he's so off ball and willing to just play as uh, I I was kind of thinking today, Laurie Markkinen's a supersized forward version of Klay Thompson of like old Clay Thompson. That's kind of the, the only comp I could think of for a guy who really rarely touches the ball in an offense, but is so impactful. And when Clay was really good defensively and is like an all NBA level player who really just isn't on ball at all. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. Colin Sexton has been really, really good. Like his, he's, I think above 60% true shooting since he's been a starter, he's averaging, like, I think, over 20 a game. He's he passing better than he ever has in his career. Gets to the line. He's just been really good as well. And since they kind of have shooting everywhere, they've been able to start Dunn, who's a really good defensive player. They've And it's a funny thing because normally when you look at a team who's going on a run, one, 98% of the time in the NBA, there's a lot of three-point shooting luck involved, stunningly. They've barely been shooting three point like, them versus defensively, barely any three-point shooting luck. But also, normally, you can kind of point to something and say, oh, they're doing this really well. But it's not so much that. Since December 15th, they're, like, top, I think, 17 in all defensive four factors. And then they're really good now at offensive rebounding and getting to the free throw line. But just everything's gone way better. They're forcing way more twos, not really letting teams to the rim, which is pretty wild. They're not letting anyone to the rim with so, so little size. They're not letting a lot of threes up. So it's been just like a pretty unbelievable turnaround. And not a lot of it screams this team is getting super lucky. What's, uh, the,
0: if you guys can't quite grasp how shocking this is. So obviously call Sexton and Mark have been great. They've been starting, um, the guys who round off the starting five. You mentioned Chris Dunn. I understand Simone. he's a good defender. He was borderline out of the league for three years, and now starts for seemingly a good team. I don't know, like out of nowhere. Uh, Fontecchio, I think they're 17 and
1: six in their last sorry? 23 as well, something like that. Like it's yeah. not like even it's ten games. It's like legit 25 yeah, yeah. games. Uh,
0: but also starting five, Fontecchio, who probably doesn't start for any other team in the league, and. John Collins at the five who I think anybody who <laughs> really knows basketball doesn't like John Collins, but somehow they are unbelievably good as a whole. Uh, like even their bench, like like the names here, Jordan Clarkson, everyone knows Jordan Clarkson. He's good. Walker Kessler isn't quite following up his rookie season as well, but still a good defender, a, a solid player. Uh, Keontae George is a rookie playing in, a role probably not expected of him as like more of a playmaker than an ISO guy that he was doing for Baylor in college. Uh, Baji, you may, people may forget, was a throw-in in the Donovan Mitchell trade. And he's not doing tremendously, but he shoots the ball pretty well. And then on the bench as well, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> he's just, I mean, Kelly Olenek is a smart player, but this combination of players should not be 22 and 20 and winners of 17 of, what is it, the last 23, as he said?
1: think so, yeah. It
0: it's it, the more you think about it the more ridiculous it gets. Uh how much credit has to go to Will Hardy for all this, the head coach.
1: Yeah, that that was kind of be my next point. It seems like Will Hardy really is is a top level coach like one of these young guys like maybe Taylor Jenkins, Mark Dagnall level like the, the and this is back to back years now as well yeah. of like last year they way overperformed. This year it looked like they were gonna be. They they were completely. They were one of the worst teams in the entire league. They started two poorly. months ago. Yeah, it's it's been pretty unbelievable. Yeah, Will Hardy, like he deserves as much credit as anyone in this. And and I agree with you. It definitely doesn't feel like a team that should be performing this well, but it's been they've been awesome, and and I think. They're obviously not going to be this good, but I don't think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. They're, that was my next they're, question. They're probably too good for that. Uh,
0: so in the midst of this run, they actually, the, a report came out saying the Jazz made nobody untouchable, including Markkinen. Uh, Okay, let's go back to your point of the Pacers, how every move should be maximizing championship equity going forward. Do you think that, keeping this team as is, is doing that? Or do you think that gathering a lot for a player like Markkinen, who is a coveted piece, not only is the all NBA quality, he only makes $17 million a year. That Anybody can afford that. And like the, imagine the Thunder, as good as they are, adding in Markkinen to their starting five. What do you think is the best move? Do you actually think it is just status quo with the team, or is it buying or is it selling?
1: Certainly not buying yeah i think i could be persuaded either way on what they should do like marketing if they decide to trade them i would not have any like qualms with that at all i would think that's a tough decision that you know good for them for making that decision the only thing is now they're 22 and 20 so it's gonna be pretty tough to get a real top pick and really tank that hard they have a weird skill in the NBA is how good you are at tanking. And they are awesome at tanking. They've been really good at tanking before they tanked really hard at the end of last year. They're willing to really shut it down, but even still like the Detroit Pistons aren't even going to sniff 22 wins if they played the season four times over. So it's hard to get, you know, a top pick for tanking, which would be a massive reason of trading Lori. And then again, they could get a haul of picks, but they already got the Mitchell Hall of Picks. They already got a Gobert Hall of Picks. And I think this is maybe a little contrary to my what I was saying with Indiana. But there is something to be said of like, you can't not reward good work. You know, it's like everyone on the team is probably so like the, the attitude towards the team is probably incredible right now. The coaching staff has been incredible. And then you're going to go take away the best player when you have a potential to make the playoffs. It's just yeah. It's a little, that that's just a bit of a culture killer, in my opinion. Not that it's something I wouldn't do. I think it would be fair either way. But that being said, I think it's much more defensible to not trade them than if they were, you know, 10 and 30.
0: What was telling about Will Hardy last season was that he did some interviews in the summer where he he was obviously praised very well because the Jazz overperformed. They still missed the playoffs, but they overperformed. And Will Hardy was in interviews and like, you know, getting praise for the good work he's done. He's like, hey, like all these people telling saying like, what a great job we did, how well we played. We didn't make the playoffs. We want to be in the playoffs. So that's the next step for this team. Then they started a season like, well, maybe that's not the next step. Now, all of a sudden, like who like like some of the types of teams that would make a splash for marketing? We we said this last week, but like they're ahead of the Lakers. They're ahead of the Warriors. The type of teams that are going to be buying are actually lower than where the, the Jazz are in the standings. So like, even in the, even in the, uh, the East, like if the Hawks want to buy they're they have the worst win loss. Uh So this, this whole situation is pretty crazy, but I, I think the way you kind of sum it up being like, it'd be a real culture killer to do it at this point kind of makes sense. But I also agree either way. I don't, I don't think that jazz can make a mistake here. They keep this going. That's fine. Um, I, You know what? A mistake would be buying with this, like really buying with this team adding in a piece here there wouldn't be that bad like but like making a big trade i believe as well would be a bad move but selling is fine keeping it the same is fine Agreed. uh all right that's all for the discussion pieces today let's get into some betting stuff here we have a question from Matthew in the chat asking about divisional and conference futures that you like mentioned that the kings are plus 550 to win the division at draftkings and the magic are plus 300 to win the division at draftkings Uh, let's go to you Kirk Evans what do you think of these and is there anything out there that you like
1: um I don't like either of those back just just looking briefly right now Sacramento three games back of the Clippers Sacramento struggling doesn't look like they're really going to make a a key piece trade I think they're actually overperformed their point differential so far They've been relatively healthy again. It does seem like Sabonis just at this point is kind of like a game played machine, which is a good thing. But the Clippers at this point are, are kind of a second tier team in the NBA. They've been unbelievable. They're, you know, if they're, they're playing Sacramento on a neutral, they're at least two and a half, three points better. So, you know, it's a, just a big lead. And also Phoenix just played Sacramento. So, and we know they're better. They got priced better on a neutral LA could still get in, get involved. I think the Clippers are just going to win this division, but yeah, I don't, I don't love that price. And then Orlando, I don't hate it. Yeah. This was not like, bad. I like, I like Orlando as a team and I'm pretty low on Miami, but they're, they're really hurt. Like Franz is I, I don't really think he has a timetable to return. It still could be weeks. And without friends, they're they're you know pretty clearly a below five hundred team. I think Miami's still just a better team. That one I I prefer, but not a not something I I uh, would be running to bet. This isn't a market I bet super often, especially mid season. It's just kind of hard to keep up with. So I don't really have any. I actually don't really have any futures I've bet in the last like five six days. So I don't really have anything there. Other so than you I do have one I have one win total
0: future I'm gonna give out. Here. Okay, so I'll give my 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 two cents to this. The Kings one, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't I don't like that one. Uh the Orlando one is interesting, but like you're implying a 25% chance, the magic win the division. One out of four times is this team good enough to beat Miami? I'd say probably not. This is one that likely is not gonna be influenced by the trade deadline. Miami just have not been a team that goes out and makes move at the deadline. They usually just keep their team as is. So it's not like Miami are going to be a buying team and make this look even worse. But, I mean, the the Magic have been free-falling a little bit. Injuries have been a bit of a reason why. But even when healthy, how much stock can I put into this team getting past the heat? Probably not a ton. And I kind of look at the upcoming schedule. It's not super kind. The Sixers tomorrow, the heat, they play the heat on Sunday, the Cavs on Monday, the Cavs have looked really good. So um, I always like to find the lowest point. If you're going to bet futures, I don't feel like we're at the lowest point for the magic. I don't know if this is a, this it's not one that I would, I would suggest, but there's my thoughts, but let's go to you, Kirk Evans. You do have some actionable info for this one today. I, I fortunately have to bring up the previous shows bets before we do it. So uh, you took the, the Blazers at plus 600. Um, some places actually would have been in a good close. Did not get a good close here. They ended up losing 139 to 77. So they did not win. Um,
1: this was the, the unfortunate. One, this, they were close to the, to the biggest loss in history. They
0: were. Um, and you had the money line. Um, we, we all had the money line. And unfortunately, Kamara ate up garbage time. Was nowhere near this number, ate up garbage time and had a, I think he had an offensive rebound, a tip offensive rebound. They tried to tip in with two minutes left that pushed him over his PRA here. This um you've had some nasty losses. That's one of them.
1: Uh yeah. So I've, let's I've, get some weapons. To be to be fair, these two bets were duds. Like I can't can't defend either of these two. Both of them just were bad. Like OKC had called up a few players from their G League team. So I thought there was at least a decent chance and it was second night of back to back. So I thought there was a decent chance. Shea wasn't going to play. It was just wrong. And then well, that, that's not the, yeah, that, I mean,
0: look, you took a plus 600. You can be forgiven for that one. Losing it's. Much- uh, and
1: then Kamara actually, I was right that he was going to be pulled out of the starting lineup, but just, I think I have first time was last game. They started uh Walker over him. So I was wrong on the timing duds, you know, no that just totally on me hand up no no uh no if ands, or bets. those were just bad bets um all right let's fix it let's see let's if, fix it today. if anyone still yeah exactly if anyone still wants to tail these bets uh any bets i've given out this year on twitter or here have been honestly horrible but let's try it again all right so i have one prop and one future so the future i kind of alluded to this Toronto Raptors over 29 and a half wins. I saw that FanDuel.
0: Okay. Uh what's the price there? I'll I'll just confirm. I think confirm it was like price. minus
1: minus 120, 1.82, 1. No 82. no
0: Homerism involved. You think the Raptors
1: No, not no, 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 better? No. I don't think they got better, but we're I think we're like twenty-eighth in the league in terms of like win differential to expected win differential. Like we've been one of the most unlucky teams in the whole league. Um, again, that pick is top six protected and we're not getting into the, um, like Washington Detroit range. So I don't think we're going to be, you know, a massive tanking team. Yeah. Maybe we lose Gary Trent. Maybe we lose Bruce Brown, but I don't think we're going to be heavily tanking down the end. I think our Pythag wins right now is like 38. We're still on pace just based on our actual wins for 32, you know, I have us around that around a 34 win team for the rest of the way. If we're a 34 win team, we have, we're on pace for 32, you know, that's around 32 and a half, 33 wins projected. It's hard to not like that over 29 and a half. I just, again, I don't think we got that much worse with the Pascal trade. I think we definitely got worse, but if we're a 38 win team, quality win team, which I actually think, It's pretty fair. That's what we've been priced at right around all year, around a 500, maybe slightly worse than 500 team. You know, even if we lose six wins or like an expected six wins or six, six wins worth of, you know, like ability with the Pascal trade, that still gets us to a 32 win team. And all we need to do for the rest of the season is be like a 28 win team for the rest of the way to hit, you know, 30 wins, 31 wins. So feels pretty good to me.
0: So that's minus 128 at FanDuel. You're gonna lock that one in? Lock it in. Do you think my preseason Raptors over 37 and a half still has a chance?
1: <laughs> I, I, as crazy as it is, I don't think it's totally dead.
0: Well, it's not totally dead, but it's a, it's a little dead. Um I have noticed they've they've consistently been priced um as as like uh, not a team that was that's nine games below five hundred. And there's some games Definitely they'll play not. against like a good team where they're like in close on the spread. I'm thinking, how the hell are they this close? And then you'll have yesterday's game where they're three and a half point dogs and absolutely blow blow the shit out of the Miami Heat. So they're uh they're a weird one. They're they're a weird team for sure. Um, yeah. But- so
1: d- d- just to get the actual stats out there, we have 16 wins right now. Our cleaning the glass net ratings negative 1.4. So our expected wins as of now would be 18.7 according to cleaning the glass. Um, so that's 2.7, like essentially additional losses or, or losses based out of luck, you would say. Obviously, there's more factors to consider than just that. But again, uh, that would say expected wins over 82 games would be 37.4. So, you know, we've been playing as a 37.4 win team. All we need to do, if we play as a thirty-win team the rest of the way, we easily clear clear this bet. I don't think we're going to tank that hard, shut people down. I think other teams are going to go way harder than us. I think I think we just clear that number by
0: by a few wins. Okay, there's the first bet. You said you had a prop as well. What do we have for
1: this one? Yeah, this one's a fun one. Um, okay, <laughs> Xavier Tillman over half a three. Oof. Okay, just.
0: Sitting the whole game, waiting for that three-point opportunity. Um, plus two fifty
1: at bet three six five. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, yeah, because I see it steamed a bit in a bunch of spots, but plus three fifty—that's exact. But and plus three fifty—I think I played plus three forty. So this plus that—that's that's, that's a good plus two fifty. That's okay. Sorry, sorry, not plus. I'm thinking three point four. I always go back and forth. Plus two fifty right. or plus okay. two forty. I played so plus You played plus
0: 240, so you would yeah. obviously also like plus 250. <laughs> yes, exactly. I sadly okay.
1: don't have that much bet 365 available to me. But if you do, props are a godsend there. The rake is so low.
0: Okay, there you go. Xavier Tillman, a sweaty one. Over half a three-point made against the Timberwolves tonight. Those are the two bets. That, along with the Raptors' future, over 29.5 wins, adding that to the, the small portfolio here um with one looking good Jokic mvp one one one's yeah. not looking so good with okc to miss the playoffs but uh at the time i remember i listen i won't put on you i was like wow that's a really good price like okc do you think they're gonna keep this up well no because they got even they're, better actually
1: they're unbelievable yeah they are i sadly had to buy into okc after my preseason unders mid-season unders then i was just wrong
0: uh, What's what is the handicap on the turnover? Jonathan Jangax, Why do you think
1: that uh, he's um, in for one? Yeah, he just is averaging like I think he's shooting like 25% from three and is averaging around point four makes a game which already would get you to uh, plus 240. He's going to have to play a ton of minutes. They don't have any backup bigs on the roster and Minnesota is a really big team. So he's averaging I think 1920 minutes a game this season uh I think he projects for like 32 33 tonight he's sh- started to shoot them at slightly less of a rate but it's still getting them up so I, it's just kind of a, a good price for his rates and his minutes
0: so in normal minutes you'd say this is pretty neutral EV, but the fact he's getting those additional ones just makes this a, a spot you're well well he's
1: averaging 19 he hasn't started all year he's starting and and gonna play oh, okay yeah, like oh, he's, there you go. He's, he's now in a totally different role. Like, yeah, if he was coming off the bench, I definitely wouldn't like this. But also, Minnesota packs the paint. Um, I think they let up like a slightly above average rate to centers for threes. So, I, I just imagine, like, it's it's a classic bet. If he gets up 1.6 threes on average in this game, it's good. It, it's kind of fun when you're watching a game and it's like, oh, oh, is Avery Tillman in the corner? But not I don't love these type of bets but yeah I just had it as like around 8% of to, value
0: yeah got to take the plus tv positions if you think you have one even if it may not be the most fun one to watch during the course over the course of the game so that will do it from the show for today if you like the insight you like the free picks you might be tailing them make sure you do hit that like button to support the channel subscribe for more content right here on the board of youtube channel as well me and Kurt, me and pips go live every weekday morning at 9:45 a.m. eastern time me and Kirk Evans, this show every Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. So keep it locked with the channel. We will see you again very soon. I'll be back tomorrow. Kirk will be back next week. Thanks so much for watching.